If you'd like to follow along this morning, I'll be reading from 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Whoever speaks, let it be with God's words. Whoever serves, do so with the strength that God supplies, so that in everything God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, John David. Good morning, church. It is great to see each and every one of you here today. I have several things that I would like to share with you this morning as we get started. I want to remind you, as was uh, brought to my attention, that there will be several of these door hangers uh, around in the lobbies. And what this is doing is advertising our Vacation Bible School, as was already talked about. Uh, And and Dustin uh, shared with me this morning that we want to encourage you to go and take some of these and knock your neighborhood and encourage people to come and be a part of our Vacation Bible School. Uh, This is, as Brother Albert already mentioned, this is a great way for us to share with our community and we want to do that we want young people here so we need helpers we need young people so if you'll share this with your neighbors and your friends uh, it would be greatly appreciated Uh, also Steve Wood will be having surgery this Monday uh, next Monday June the 12th in Nashville and they are requesting our prayers so uh, if um, uh, remember Steve uh, in your prayers as he has that surgery Again, I want to encourage you to pick up a bulletin and notice all the things happening in our church family, especially those that will be going to camp this week. We want to remember them uh, as they embark on this endeavor. Be turning in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and I will meet you there in just a few moments. If y'all can bring up the next slide. Remember, uh, we're in our theme, uh, All In, uh, from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord, whether in word or deed. I want you to notice this next slide. You may have seen some of these on the door. Uh, We have printed in all the foyers um, what I want us to do over the next 40 days. This will take us to about July the 16th. Is I want to challenge every one of us to read through the Gospels. I want to encourage you, if you can read, this is not just for adults. If you can read, I want to encourage you to pick one of these up. Because on the back, there is a schedule. Each day, what, what it's going to be, it's going to consist of about two chapters a day. Some days have three, but most days have about two chapters. And in 40 days, we can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of the Gospels in the New Testament, all talking about the life of Christ. And this is a way, as we are enter the sixth month of our theme, this is a way for us to renew our commitment of being all in, to um, uh, refocus and renew ourselves So I want to encourage us. I want to challenge us. Even if you're going to camp, two chapters a day. Two chapters a day. We watch more TV and play more video games and and surf on our phones longer 
then it will take us to read two chapters a day. So I want to challenge us for the next 40 days to read through the Gospels and see what God's Word will do in our lives. Let's pray about this a minute. Holy Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for the opportunity to be here today. Father, as we embark on this challenge, as we are six months through our theme of being all in, Father, sometimes we are all in and sometimes we are not. Father, there are times I know I need to be recommitted. And I pray, Father, that as we embark on this 40-day challenge to read through the Gospels, Father, I pray that Your Word will work on our hearts. I pray as we read about Jesus and the way that Jesus treated people, the way that, pe- that Jesus loved people, the way that Jesus had compassion on people, Father, I pray that You will allow that to penetrate our minds and our hearts and to make a difference in our lives. Father, we don't want to just be reading. Father, I, wanna, I want us to open up our minds and our hearts to what we call the Gospels of Your Word. The life, the message, the death, burial, and resurrection, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that all of us that will accept this challenge and read through the Gospels, Father, that it will make a forevermore difference in our lives, in our families, in our church family, and in our community. We give You our praise. We give You our honor. We thank You. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. So I want us to take this, accept this challenge and pick up one of these and, and, and follow that schedule and make it a part of our life. Now, I also want to say, if you get off, that's okay. Just go to the next day and, and pick up. Because it's real easy to say, well, I've gotten behind. Nope, let's not, let's not allow Satan, let's just get that one out of the way. Let's not allow Satan to say, well, you can't do it. Well, you've messed up now, you can't do it. Let's pick right back up and continue on this challenge. Because I'm convinced if we allow God's Word to fill our minds and our hearts, it will make a difference. Have you ever thought about ministry? Are there some days you're just tired and worn out? Are there some days, you know, you just, you just feel like I'm, I'm frustrated with things that are going on at church. I'm frustrated with life. I'm frustrated with the way things are going on in my family. I'm frustrated with the way things are going on at, at, at work. I came across a story that kind of describes really what our attitude toward ministry should be. It's a story about uh, this little boy who was walking down the seashore. Maybe you've heard it before. And you remember, uh, if, you, if you heard this story, starfish were rolling in with the tide. And they were getting uh, stuck up on the beach. And so this young boy, he was going along the seashore and he was picking up uh, starfish and he was throwing them back into the ocean. And he would go back and pick up another one and throw it back into the ocean. And a man noticed what this young man was doing. And he said, such an industrious young man, surely you can think of something better to spend your time with. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of starfish on the shore. 
And you know, a lot of them are going to die. You can spend your time doing something else. And the whole time the man's talking, he reaches down, he picks up a starfish, and he throws it back in, and he picks down another one, picks up another one, and he throws it back in the ocean, and he says, what difference will it make? And as he asked that question, he reached down and picked up another one, and he threw it in the ocean, and he said, it made a difference to that one. It made a difference to that one. And you know what Satan wants us to do? Satan wants to distract us. Satan wants us to focus on, look what we can't do. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. So what does ministry mean? When we talk about the idea of ministry and to be a minister. Well, when we look at the New Testament word of ministry or minister, in the Greek New Testament, it generally means to be a servant or serve. In fact... In 1 Peter chapter 4 that John David read for us, in some versions, instead of saying minister or ministry, it will use the word serve. Because that's what it means. To be a ministry, to be involved in ministry, it means a servant and to serve. Yes, it does mean those who preach the gospel and they encourage people to live in harmony with the Word of God and with God. It does include those that wear the title of deacon, uh, for that means servant as well. But here's the thing I want us to remember. When, it, when we're speaking about ministers, yes, it includes those who are, who are paid, those who are in leadership, uh, even as deacons. It does include those, but it also includes every single one of us. Every single one of us are ministers in God's kingdom. We are servants. And therefore, we are called to serve. Think back to when Jesus, or as recorded, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9. Look, notice on the screen what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, Jesus speaking here, the harvest truly is plentiful. There's a lot of harvesting to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of service to be done. But the laborers, the workers, the servants are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. As Jesus looked at these multitudes, He looked out and He had compassion on them. And that's not the first time. We'll notice it also in our text in Mark chapter 6. And He reminded His disciples, we need laborers. There's plenty of work to be done, but we need workers. We need servants. Also, we see what Luke records the New Testament church did in Acts chapter 6. You remember there, verses 1 through 7, uh, there arose this dispute. And, and there were some that were, uh, they, their needs were being neglected in the daily distributions. And so, uh, these leaders of the church, they said, listen, let's choose seven men to meet this need, to serve in this area of ministry that has arisen. And so they did so. Paul also addressed this same idea in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you remember, he starts talking about there's one body of Christ, but many members. We might say many servants, many ministers. 
And guess what? The great thing is, here's the good news. We all do not have to play the same role. Isn't that awesome? We don't have to do what the other does. First uh, Corinthians 12 there, the Bible says, God placed each part in the body as He pleased. You are self-stamped by God to do the work of ministry. Amen? Every single one of us. Oftentimes we can get in routines of thinking, well, that's what we pay the ministry staff to do. That's what the elders are supposed to do. That's what the deacons are supposed to do. And we fail to realize I have a part. No matter how big or small it is, if I change toilet paper, change that toilet paper in the name of the Lord. Because we have a part. And I am important. And you are important. And Paul gives that beautiful picture of everyone working together as ministers, as servants for the body of Christ, for the glory of God. So to be a minister is to be a servant, which includes all of us. But what is ministry? When we think about ministry, what we're talking about, or what we want to think about this month, and what it talks about in Scripture, is the work of the church. Several places throughout the New Testament, as it's speaking to Paul, or Paul's writing to Timothy and Titus and others, and he's encouraging them to do the ministry, fulfill the ministry in the work of the church. Your service, your part in that work. Notice, if you will, in the book of Mark, chapter 6. I want us to notice some things that God's Word gives us that we can learn about the ministry of the church. And we'll focus on different aspects of the ministry that we all play a part in. We all have a role. We all have a part over the next few weeks. The Bible says in Mark, chapter 6, verse 30, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And He said to them, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. You see, what we need to remember is that the ministry, it's work. It's work. It takes work. It takes effort. And it's a lot easier to say, well, so-and-so can do it. You know what? Let's let them do it. That's real easy to say. But ministry is work. It takes effort on our part. Jesus gathered those apostles around. Because people were going and coming and they didn't even have time to eat. And he said, listen, you need to go aside to a deserted place to rest for a little bit. Who are the people that sleep well most of the time? I understand there's some other things. But if you go out and you work hard every day, guess what? At night, you're not worried about anything else except rest. And Jesus said, you need to go take a little rest because this is work. 
In fact, Paul writing to Philemon, in Philemon chapter 1, in verse 1, he called Philemon his beloved brother, our beloved brother and fellow laborer. We might say fellow minister, fellow servant, fellow worker in the church. Why does it work? It's work because things change, doesn't it? Needs arise just like Acts chapter 6. Sometimes needs arise that have never been there before. And we can look back in the past and say, oh yeah, don't you remember? You remember when we did that good work? That good ministry? Oh, that was awesome. But that need was met and it's passed and a new need has arisen. Hello, we need workers. We need laborers. We need everyone, 1 Corinthians 12, playing their part. Also, there are those that fall away. It takes work. It takes effort to go reach out to those people. And sometimes it takes time. It takes repeated efforts. That's work. That's labor. That's, that's making effort. Those are just a few things that remind us that the ministry of the church, it is work. It does take effort. But notice also in Mark chapter 6, Jesus says in verse 33 and following, But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew Him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to Him. And Jesus, when He came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like, a, like sheep, not having a shepherd. So He began to teach them many things. You see, Jesus reminds us that ministry must be heartfelt. He looked out at the multitude. And when He saw them, in His mind they were like sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says He was moved with compassion. In other words, He loved them. He had pity on them. Jesus felt for this multitude. Now I want us to think about a series of questions seriously. How do I feel about those in our church family? Just take a minute. Just look around the room. Just look around the room and ask ourselves the question, how do I feel about these people? How do I feel about the people who aren't here? The people who make up this church body? Do I have compassion? When I look out across these people and I realize Christians are not people without a shepherd, for Jesus is our shepherd, but when we look across our church family, do I have compassion for my church family? Are we moved with compassion for one another? Do you remember what Paul said in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10? Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Yes, that's what Christians are to do. Do good to all, but catch what he says. Hear me. Excuse me. Hear the Lord. Especially to those of the household of faith. It's great to go out into the community and do good. 
But Paul says, you do good especially to the household of faith, your brothers and sisters in Christ. As we go out into our community, in our neighborhoods, and in our workplaces, are we moved with compassion, seeing people without Christ in their life, and see them like Jesus does, as sheep without a shepherd? Am I moved with compassion? Jesus saw this multitude. And He was moved with compassion for them. And the Bible tells us Jesus has come to set His example that we should follow in His steps. Notice in verses 37 and 38, Jesus says ministry should be personal. But He answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. You see, they said, send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages to buy themselves bread, for they have nothing. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. You see, Jesus says ministry should be personal. 1 Corinthians 12, every person plays a part. Jesus said ministry should be personal. You go and give them something to eat. This is the Son of God, the worker of miracles. You give them something to eat. You see, the disciples were sure that the way to meet their needs was if Jesus gave them something to eat. And Jesus turns the responsibility back on the apostles. If you will, 1 Corinthians 12, back on the church. Don't send them away, He says. Give them what you have. Take inventory. And what do they say? Well, we five loaves and two vicious. We may very well not have much to give or to offer. But let's remember, God's on our side. God can take the impossible and turn it into something that's possible. Maybe there's a need that arises and we say, man, we can't meet that. We don't have anything to do. With God, all things are possible. The things that lead to His glory anyway. And when we turn to God and we say, listen, I am willing to give. I am willing to serve because, God, this is personable to me. It's personal to me because you have given me life. You are now my shepherd, Jesus. And we can look out and we can be moved with compassion and say, God, help us meet this need. There are those across the world, in the church, that will see a need arise and they will say, now wait a minute, what is this going to cost me? You see, maybe instead of asking what is this going to cost me, we ought to ask, who is this going to help? Who's going to be helped by this service? Because we all have a role to play, right? Right? 
You know, the reality, it's easier to talk about our rights as Christians, even our rights as Americans, right? It's easy to talk about our rights instead of talking about our responsibilities because rights involve stuff I get. Responsibility involves action. And folks, through life, I don't know about you, but I know through life sometimes I've needed to be prodded a little bit to some action. Because Jesus has set us an example that we should follow in His steps. God wants us to be involved in the work and the ministry of the church. Maybe we should ask the question, what can I do? Remember, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what? What you can do for your country. John F. Kennedy realized the biblical principle that when I get involved and when I take action, things happen. And I am fulfilled. As an American, more importantly, as a Christian minister of the church. Remember, inventory is looking at what we have not what we do not have. And then finally, notice verses 41 and 42. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all, so they all ate and were filled. Jesus would remind us that ministry is to be God-centered. When He took those loaves and He took those fish, what the people had, what they took inventory of, He rose them to heaven, He looked to heaven, and He blessed them. And He said, this is about you, God. The Father, not about me. What's about to happen here is about you. This work, this, this ministry, this service is about you. Remember how Satan, when he tempted Jesus, when Satan came to Jesus, what did he do? He tempted him in those same three areas that he did Adam and Eve, and he does us today. But what did he try to get him to focus on? He tried to get him to focus on the same thing he focused Adam and Eve on and the same thing he tries to get us to focus on. Everything else except God. <laughs> except what God wants us to do. Man, if you do this, boy, all these kingdoms I'll give to you. Listen, you're the Son of God. Why don't you command these stones to become bread? This, that, and the other. If you'll do this, if you'll do that, if you'll focus on these things. And Jesus always came back. It is written. It is written. This is about God. It's not about me. You see, the work of the church 
Our work together is about God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about God. And when we focus our work and we focus our service and we focus our ministry on God, great things will happen. And guess what? Savannah Church of Christ will be held up, right? No, Satan, get out of here. God will be glorified. Amen? And Jesus would remind us, ministry is not about us. It's about God and giving Him the glory. In 2004, in the Ukraine, Victor, and I can't pronounce his last name, he was strongly opposed by those governing bodies when he ran for president. In fact, he was beaten so bad that his face was barely recognizable. And he almost lost his life when he was poisoned because, you see, the government that was in rule, they did not want him to be president. And so they did everything they could to overcome that. One day, toward the end of that election, on a television station, the news was there. They were given the news and they were, they were speaking because they had been told uh, by the Ukrainian government, they had been told, you declare victor as the loser. And they proclaimed that. But down in the lower left-hand corner of the screen, Natalia is her name, and she was doing sign language. And as she was hearing what they reported, she knew that Victor had been voted as president. And she began telling the deaf community that this is a lie. She said this in her sign, I am addressing all the deaf citizens of Ukraine. They are lying, and I am ashamed to translate those lies. Victor is our president. And the deaf community began text messaging all of their friends, all the people they knew, telling them what the media is telling you is a lie. Victor is our president. So began the Orange Revolution. People put on orange shirts and they marched to the the capital city, Kiev, and they declared to that government and to the media, we are not giving in to your lies. Victor is president. And guess what happened? Victor became president. Philip Yancey writes as he tells about this story. When I heard the story behind the Orange Revolution, the image of a small screen of truth in the corner of the big screen became for me an ideal picture of the church. You see, we as the church do not control the big screen. Hello? We don't control it. When we do, he says, we usually mess it up. Go to any magazine rack or turn on the television and you see a constant message. What matters is how beautiful you are, how much money or power you have. Similarly, 
Though the world includes many poor people, they rarely make the magazine covers or the news shows. Instead, we focus on the super rich, names like Bill Gates or Oprah Winfrey or others. Our society is hardly unique. Throughout history, nations have always glorified winners, not losers. Then, like the sign language translator in the lower right-hand corner or the left-hand corner of the screen, along comes a person named Jesus who says, in effect, don't believe the big screen. They're lying. And like Yancey says, we are that picture. We are that small screen in that lower right or left-hand corner saying the world is lying. And you see, that's ministry. That's work that takes place in these walls and out. Not for our glory, but for the glory of God. Today, we want you to know if you're here, and you've not given your life to Jesus, Jesus died for you. So that like Revelation chapter 20 tells us, your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. So you, through faithful service, through faithful living to Jesus, not perfect, but faithful, you can inherit that crown of life that's in heaven. Because we share that with you because those who are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life are cast in that lake of fire. The Bible says it's a second death. And God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not there. We have work to do, church. Within these walls and out. Maybe you're here today And you say, you know what? Maybe I haven't been doing ministry. Maybe I've been sitting back like a spectator and I want to be involved. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I I want to uh, renew my spirit. I want to renew my service as a minister to the church of our Lord. Whatever your need is to respond to the Lord today, we encourage you to do so as together we stand and sing. Jesus, no turning back.